All right, the championship loved by many, hated by few, respected by all, second to none. That's right again. It's MLK Weekend 2024. I just uh, came back from downtown Dallas, sunny South Dallas, where the sun always shines, waiting for this cold front to come through. But I wanted to spend a couple of minutes to talk to you, the American people, about my recent conversation with America about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Well, I was at the 2024 Dallas Symposium uh, on Civil Rights uh, at the uh, African American Museum. I have the flyer somewhere around here. Can't can't find it right now because I'm getting caught up with my reading. I have the Dallas Examiner. Uh, they're going to start off Monday Night Politics pretty soon, and on the cover of the newspaper. It says the three evils of society. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. made it. And then on the other newspapers, we have uh, uh, Eddie Bernice Johnson, Congresswoman Eddie Bernice Johnson, uh, tributes to her in Metro News and also the Garland Journal. So I have that. So pick up and support the black press as always. And we have uh, a shout out to Reverend Jesse Jackson and uh, Commissioner John Wiley Price being honored tonight. A salute to you both at Renaissance Plaza in downtown Dallas. Well, MLK Day weekend. I know you guys will probably be off. If you're on vacation or you have the day off, remember that it's a day on as well. And if you have to use your vacation day to take off work, what's wrong with America? What's wrong with America? I, I guess somehow they they give us a holiday and then you have to take off and make it not really a holiday. You have to take off another day and you, what's wrong with that picture there? I don't know. I know what my former employer used to do that as well. And I now every day is Martin Luther King's birthday, I guess. So MLK Day weekends here. Vic's been working with me long and hard in the last couple of hours making sure we have the perfect clips for this. Today's subject matter is going to be the MLK that you probably don't know anything about. Because if you were taught by America, then you were taught this. Vic, go ahead and play that clip. So even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day down in Alabama with its vicious racists, with its governor having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification. Yep, that's the Dr. King we all grew up to learn, love, and appreciate because that's the Dr. King that America wanted us to know about. That's the Dr. King they wanted us to know about because 
That's the Dr. King that America feels comfortable with. It's a very simple matter of feeling comfortable with what you know and what you know you feel comfortable with. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Kind of clever how I did that. But, you know, when you know something and you seek the truth, as they say, the truth shall what? Set you free. If Dr. King's life was about freedom and justice and equality, we must be equal in knowing what he stood for, and we must seek justice knowing what he transformed himself into being. And that, indeed, will make us free. So in my conversation with America, well, I asked him, could they handle it? Can you handle this? Vic, let's sneak into my last classroom where I had a talk with America. You can't handle the truth. That's right. America can't handle the truth. America is pregnant with the truth, and one day, sooner or later, the truth has to be birthed. And this is the truth. Dr. King, as I spoke before with Dr. Cornell West, was a radical king. He wasn't the Dr. King that we have been taught in school. The Dr. King that they teach in Montgomery, Alabama, the Dr. King they teach in Wyoming, the Dr. King they teach in Idaho. You know, that whole thing about Dr. King marched on Washington, and he had a dream, and he was a, he was about loving your enemy, and that's oh, all that's cool. All that's cool, because all that is true. But the Dr. King that I researched on and researched about was a warrior, a fierce warrior for truth, justice, and equality. We take a look back in the past, we realize that Dr. King in Montgomery, Alabama, led a 365-day, 366 days protest against busing. We look at busing. It wasn't entirely about where you seat on the bus. It wasn't about a seat on the bus. It was also about being respected. It was also about, also about the treatment of the passengers. It was also about having economic freedom for people, such as having black bus drivers in black parts of town. Those things were considered radical in the 1950s. Yep, they were radical in the 1950s. Today, in 2024, that's just old news. But when you look back at the 1950s, that was radical. Another thing that I realized as well, when he did the March on Washington, it was jobs, justice, and freedom. Jobs, justice, and freedom. Jobs. You know, there was a time in which African Americans was the last hired, first fired, and as I once added, never retired. I said there was a time. When was that? That was yesterday. <laughs> but you know, that happened when he marched in 1963, and it's still the same. That's what he marched for. He marched for those things. And as you can see, as we set the record clear on some other things, some other things that transpired and transformed him as well. So we take a look at Dr. King's life and we realize that he had a lot to offer to us all across this nation. And yes, even in Dallas, Texas. There's this story that Dr. King was met at Love Field, and a bunch of ministers came to Dr. King and told him, you need to get in the airplane and fly back to Atlanta where you're from. Well, we've been doing some research on that, and we'll have more about that story at a later time. But we want to drill down specifically to the overall message that Dr. King had, the overall message of what Dr. King had. And the overall message that Dr. King had, and he still has because I'm living part of that dream Today, I want you to take a look at some of the dream that I'm living. Now, back to that uh, time that he came to Dallas. Well, which time? I'm not talking about the time about the airport that a lot of people are talking about. I don't know anything about that. I've heard that same story since I was eight years old. But we do know for a fact that Dr. King 
was in Dallas in 1957. Caesar Clark invited him to uh, Good Street Baptist Church, and he was there. And then in 1963, and for those people who were at the African American Museum at the symposium that I spoke at, I spoke about 1963, how it affected Dallas. Because in January, King arrived. And in November, Kennedy departed from the same city. It's very profound, isn't it? But now let's go back to a time in which Martin Luther King arrived in Dallas and what happened during that trip to Dallas. Vic, let's go back to our audio video tape. The debate continues as the world prepares to mark 50 years since Dr. King's assassination. What many people do not know is that Dr. King made several trips to Dallas to fight for equality. And we found video in our archives not seen since 1963. We sat down with Dallas's first elected black mayor, Ron Kirk, to discuss race relations then and now. Rebecca Lopez reports. I think Dallas has made a start, and uh, this means that there is a challenge to keep moving. This is News 8 video of Dr. Martin Luther King in Dallas in 1963. This is the first time it's aired since then. He talked about school integration. However, one has to honestly and realistically admit that uh, there is much to be desired and much to be done. When Dr. King visited the city, it was considered one of the most racist in the country. The Ku Klux Klan had the largest chapter in the nation. You've still got Negro Day at the fair. You've got Klan Day at the fair. Dr. King was not welcomed in Dallas, even by black pastors who did not allow him to preach in their churches. So he spoke at Fair Park. Peter Johnson, who was friends with Dr. King, says the pastors didn't want to upset the white establishment. It hurt his feelings. It literally hurt his feelings. Now, more than 50 years later, there is a statue of Dr. King at Fair Park. Ron Kirk became Dallas's first black mayor in 1995. It was made easier because there were people inspired by Dr. King. Kirk says while there has been great accomplishments in the fight for civil rights, he says Dr. King would be disappointed of where we are today. We still are a city just too, too widely divided by opportunities and quality of life north and south of the Trinity River. April 4th will mark the 50th anniversary of Dr. King's assassination. Peter Johnson plans on being in Memphis for the ceremony. He says he and others like Ron Kirk need to continue to carry the torch and Dr. King's vision of equality. Rebecca Lopez, Channel 8 News. All right. Hey, so I'd like to send a shout out to John McKay, who's listening. And oftentimes he listens to this uh, radio podcast on Facebook right now. I'm pretty sure he's looking at it right now. and He's probably surprised to hear his voice on the news again. But, you know, hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm bringing you news <laughs> that obviously you can use. If you're following us on uh, Facebook, uh, which clearly you are, and as I've often said, this radio podcast show is the best radio show from Como to the Congo. You probably know how to get us on uh, Twitter, which is Airgrade1906. And Instagram, which is Air Grade 1906. That being said, since we're 06 and then on out, we'd like to send a shout out to all those people who were listening in and looking at us from Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, which is, which is the uh, fraternity that myself and Dr. King both belong to. That clip was a great clip. I see a couple of my friends on it. Uh, Reverend Peter Johnson, I was just on stage with him today at the uh, symposium today uh, where we both shared the same stage with uh, Dr. Marilyn Calhoun and also uh, uh, we also had the same stage with Michael Phillips, Dr. Michael Phillips, and uh, we it was moderated by Vicki Meeks and uh, we had, uh, I said Marilyn Calhoun and uh, we also had Jackie McMillan with us as well. So shout out to all those that uh, spoke about Dr. King and his legacy. Uh, take a look at that. It will be uh, broadcast uh, by the Preservation Dallas Corporation as well. So I'd like to give my regards to them because they are getting this message out as well. 
getting the message out. Getting the message out is what this show is about and what we are doing is making sure that everyone knows and can handle the truth about Dr. King. Some things are uncomfortable to people, as we said uh, in that clip. Ambassador Ron Kirk uh, so articulated so well about what the America that we lived in today and the America that we live in in the past was about. At the time of Dr. King's death, Dr. King spoke of the dualities of America in which we had two nations, black and white, and separate but definitely unequal. And one of those things that is unequal is economics. His last years on this planet, he spoke about the inequalities of the economic system that we have in America. That's why he led the Poor People's March. And I said he led the Poor People's March because that was his last march. His last march was about redistributing the pain of making sure that everybody understands that when it rains, it should rain just as hard on people who don't have a coat than people who have a coat. You still get wet. But in this particular case, Dr. King wanted there to be a redistribution of wealth in this country. Yep, exactly right. Making sure that people had a livable wage. That's the reason why he was in Memphis, Tennessee, to make sure that sanitation workers received a livable wage. In America today, most people who live on minimum wage don't have a livable wage. Just think about the term minimum wage. That means if they could pay you less, they would. <laughs> yeah, I know that's an old joke. I didn't say that. But it was Chris Rock who said that. Think about it. The government has to force someone to give you that amount of money because if they could... They wouldn't give you that. $17.65 livable wage. The livable wage for Americans is $25. You could probably halfway make it. That's what they tell me, $25. I haven't worked for a minimum wage in God knows how long that's been. But I can't see how people can live off of that. But Dr. King spoke of that. He spoke about increasing the minimum wage. Today's minimum wage now indexed to inflation, people made more money in 1967 than they do in 2024 with the minimum wage. That's like not getting a raise since 1967. Hmm. 1967. Vic, let's play the next clip. To say to you that you're not treating his children right. And we come by here to ask you to make the first item on your agenda fair treatment where God's children are concerned. Now, if you are not prepared to do that, we do have an agenda that we must follow. And our agenda calls for withdrawing economic support from you. All right. Withdrawing economic support. Withdrawing economic support is one of the things that Dr. King spoke about because what he spoke about was making sure that those who could withdraw support would be able to shoulder the burden of people who can't withdraw support. It's simply put, marching in the streets is cool, but hey, look, if you can withdraw support and redistribute the pain, that's where it's at. Making sure you use your dollar to where it makes sense. It's always been about that. It's always been about that. Civil rights is also silver rights. That's what 
Ralph Abernathy, his best friend, once said, civil rights is also about silver rights. That's what it's about. In that same speech, he talked about taking your money out of certain banks and placing them in other banks, taking them out and buying black. That's what he talked about, buying black. People who are viewed as the disposable people, and oftentimes that's people of color, are viewed as disposable. Viewed as disposable, but there's one way you can even the field if you're viewed as disposable is be very intentional about your buying power and your disposable income. That's what this is about. African Americans today constitute the 13th largest economy in the world. 13th largest economy in the world. There was a time in which people would say, well, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire. That's not even the way we judge success now. How many billionaires did you know of now? I can think of a couple right off the top of my head. Jay-Z's a billionaire. Oprah's a billionaire. Magic Johnson's a billionaire. Michael Jordan's a billionaire. There are people who have billions of dollars. That's a million, million dollars. It's a lot of money. Most of us don't have that. I know I don't. But if we are intentional with our buying power, we can make a change. In 1967, and I'm prefacing all of this to 1967 because Dr. King lived a full three months in the 1968, not even four months. We say he died in April, but he only lived three, four months of 1968. In 1967 is the last year we could judge Martin King's words and his actions. Martin King, Dr. King, was transforming himself. He was transforming himself into something that America can't handle. They can't handle the truth. We like to believe that Dr. King gave the speech, I have a dream, but that last year he said his dream had turned into a nightmare. We can't teach our kids that in school, can we? But you're old enough to be able to handle the truth. That's what I said this morning at the symposium. I said that his dream was a nightmare. And we are living that nightmare. The nightmare that we're living now is the nightmare that we see every day in America and, yes, in Dallas, in which if you live south of I-30, collectively speaking, your lifespan is 15 years less than it would be if you live north of I-30. We live in two cities in Dallas like we live in two nations in the United States of America. One black, one white. One poor, one rich. We need to have a level playing field. And having that level playing field, perhaps maybe we should transform ourselves like Dr. King. I just want to spend some time to say that his transformation, and I'm not taking words out of context, these are his exact words, and I'm letting the audio play the way it was played. This hasn't been Photoshop or <laughs> audio shopped, if you will. It's not a sound bite, it's the real bite. Vic, let's play the next clip. I come here tonight and plead with you. Believe in yourself and believe that you're somebody. As I said to a group last night, 
Nobody else can do this for us. No document can do this for us. No Lincolnian Emancipation Proclamation can do this for us. No Kennesonian or Johnsonian Civil Rights Bill can do this for us. If the Negro is to be free, he must move down into the inner resources of his own soul and sign with a pen and ink of self-assertive manhood his own Emancipation Proclamation. Let anybody take your manhood. Be proud of our heritage. As somebody said earlier tonight, we don't have anything to be ashamed of. Somebody told a lie one day. They couched it in language. They made everything black. Ugly and evil. Look in your dictionary and see the synonyms of the word black. It's always something degrading and low and sinister. Look at the word white. It's always something pure, high and clean. But I want to get the language right tonight. I want to get the language so right that everybody here will cry out, Yes, I'm black. I'm proud of it. I'm black and beautiful. All right. You heard him say it. He said, I'm black and I'm proud. You know, that is very profound. Because when we look at that, and I know I'm, I'm telling my age, you know, hey, I was six years old when Dr. King was alive and six years old when he died. But this whole focus on black and proud, we have to go back in time to 1968. And there was a time in which some people did not want to be called black. They would fight you over the word black. You call them black, they would fight you over that word. For Dr. King to say, I'm black and I'm proud, that was like being a super militant. But America doesn't play that clip, does it? They don't want you to know that. See, in, in all of the clips that I've heard, you see, all of the clips that I've heard, he refers to himself as Negro, and he refers to everyone else as Negro, and that makes America comfortable because he is now in a time war. In 1963, most people referred to themselves as Negroes, so that puts them in a time capsule because it makes America feel comfortable. So if if America feels comfortable, now they can sanitize him, homogenize him, homogenize him to 2% milk, that is. Homogenize him to where they are comfortable with him. A couple years back, Governor Greg Abbott, you, well, you Texans know who he is, Governor Greg Abbott was going to come to the Fort Worth MLK Day Parade. And his appearance was rescinded. And I wrote an article about it, and I said that we will never know whether or not Dr. King would have invited Greg Abbott to march in the MLK Day Parade. But we do know that Dr. King never invited Governor George Wallace to come to any of his birthday parties. There is a sense of urgency today in order to claim the, the King legacy and make it your own 
to mollify black people. One of the things was said was that Dr. King would have been against the civil disobedience that happened during the George Floyd protests. Civil disobedience. I wish they could have did what Dr. King would have did. Dr. King wouldn't have been marching. Wrong. How many times did Dr. King march? He marched so many times that Dr. King himself said, in one of the clips, we don't have it for you today, we'll play it at a later time, in which he said, I'm tired of marching. The Dr. King that we know today and that we celebrate today, we must acknowledge that sometimes he did say, I'm just tired. He didn't sing, I feel no ways tired. Some days he was. The American dream is something that Dr. King spoke about. It was an aspirational dream. An aspirational dream. In May of 1967, indeed, he himself said that. It was aspirational. It was a dream. A dream that he hoped one day would become reality. America today has captured that speech and said the dream is reality. When in fact, it was always, as Biggie Smiles would say, it was always a dream. But somehow it's been viewed in some quarters as a nightmare. Let's listen to the words of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. as he spoke in 1967 about his dream. Victor? I have a dream. My four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I must confess that uh, that dream that I had that day has in many points turned into a nightmare. Now, I'm not one to lose hope. I keep on hoping. Uh, I still have faith in the future. But I've had to analyze many things over the last few years, and I would say over the last few months. I've gone through a lot of soul-searching and agonizing moments, and I've come to see that uh, we have uh, many more difficult days ahead, and some of the old optimism was a little superficial, and now it must be tempered with a solid realism. And I think the realistic fact is that we still have a long, long way to go and that we are involved in a war on Asian soil, uh, which, if not checked and stopped, can poison the very soul of our nation. I'm not going to say that all of our problems will be solved if the war in Vietnam is ended, but I do say that the war makes it infinitely more difficult to deal with these problems. Uh, when a nation becomes obsessed with the guns of war, uh, it loses its social perspective, and programs of social uplift suffer. This is just a, a fact of history, so that we do face many more difficulties uh, as a result of the war. It's much more difficult to really arouse a conscience during a time of war. There is something about a war like this that makes people insensitive. It dulls a conscience. It strengthens the forces of reaction and it brings into being bitterness and hatred and violence. I think the biggest problem now is that we got our gains over the last 12 years at bargain rates, so to speak. It uh, didn't cost the nation anything. In fact, it helped the economic side of the nation to integrate lunch counters and public accommodations. It didn't cost the nation anything uh, to get uh, the right to vote established. 
Now we are confronting issues that cannot be solved without costing the nation billions of dollars. Now I think this is where we are getting our greatest resistance. They may put it on many other things, but we can't get rid of slums and poverty without it costing the nation something. I feel that nonviolence is really the only way uh, that we can follow because uh, violence is just so self-defeating. A riot ends up creating many more problems for the Negro community uh, than it solves. You All right, you heard Dr. King. That was the time of the Vietnam War. If you go on my political page, you'll see some other clips that we're going to be putting up in the next couple of days. And that was a long-ranging interview. Of course, the Vietnam War was going on at that time. But if you look at that, he said his dream was a nightmare. And this is what we have to do now. As I spoke to the people today, I spoke to them uh, regarding the nightmare that we had to do something to get out of this nightmare. And getting out of this nightmare was very simple. We have to work for the dream. That's why we wake up every morning and we fight for a better future for our children. We fight for a better tomorrow. We fight for a better tomorrow and a better America because this is why we are here. We're here not to complain. We are here to do. This is why we're here. We're working hard. This is the reason why we want you to share this video for educational purposes. We are engaged in this because we believe that this is a long-time war for truth, a long-time war for truth, a long-time war for justice. It's not just a game that we play. It's not just something we do in our spare time. It is our time, not spare time. That is the reason why I wanted to spend this moment with you to talk about the real Dr. King, the radical Dr. King, the uh, Dr. King who believed in reparations that we speak of uh, in some quarters with in Cobra who believe in reparations. He believed in reparations as well. But they won't tell you that. The Dr. King who said that America had given away so much to so many other people that they chose to have immigrants to come to this country from poor countries in Europe and then give them homesteads and give them free land that they took away from the Native American while Americans that were born here in this country, in this country, who have lived in this country like my family has lived in this country since the 1780s that I have on record. They probably were here before then. But one generation after another, after another, after another, they caught it. And what they caught was they caught hell. Whereas other people were given a handout and free land. But the Dr. King that spoke on that issue and many other issues is not being quoted. The Dr. King who spoke of a guaranteed income, a guaranteed income in which every American would receive a check. If you think that's crazy, think about how much money we give to other countries right now. But he said that every American should receive a guaranteed check, a guaranteed check, a redistribution of power, a redistribution of economics. He spoke of that. But when we study Dr. King, all we hear is the dream. We don't study his plan for economic freedom, for justice. That's the reason why you come here. Because we'll, we will tell you the truth. Because you can handle the truth. Vic, let's play that. And let's play a couple of drops, and we will see you back next week. Who was that masked man? You mean you don't know? That was no masked man. That was the commish. Saturdays from 5 to 6 p.m. on the Fishbowl Radio Network.
My name is Gail Todd with Townview Realtors. If you find yourself in the market to buy, sell, lease, or maybe you want to be a part of this hot real estate market by investing, just give my team of professionals and I a call at 214-675-9572. Again, that's 214-675-9572. Or you can email me at gtodd88 at yahoo.com. With me... It's all about you. Hey, you know, whenever I want good Cajun food, I go to Thibodeau's, located at 107 North Cedar Ridge in Duncanville, Texas. They're really hot, just like the Commission Radio Show in Thibodeau's. Hot is this gumbo. We will see you later at Thibodeau's.
but I switch. I'm sleeping on to
spending countless hours on YouTube searching for encouragement and empowerment. I want to give you the tool that you need today. It's in the huddle on demand.com. Go to in the huddle on demand.com today for the encouragement and empowerment that you've been searching for. You'll get a behind the scenes look of what's been going on within the huddle with Chris Howe. Go and check it out today. What's up, beautiful peoples out there? It's your boy, Maul, a.k.a. Cool Pop Watson, baby. Make sure you check my man out. Three to five every Saturday. Commish Radio Show. Make sure y'all come check my man out. Hey, this is Cheryl Smith, and when I'm looking for news and information, I tune in to The Commish on Saturdays.
shut down the computer, it's time to leave work. About to hit the town, but happy hour on alert. You have warm eyes, do you mind if I sit by your side? I was wondering if I could interest you in the ultimate joyride. There'll be no pressure, I'll be on my best behavior. I believe that every moment in life should be treated like fine wine. It can be rushed, it has to simmer, and then be served later. You are very lovely, and your name is... It's a pleasure to meet you, I am Zamir. And might I add that smile you're wearing has hypnotic appeal. I got what you want, got what you need, set yourself free, come along and roll with me, if you want a good time, come take this ride, set yourself free, come along and roll when I walked up, we were just strangers, but the more we talked, there must have been an arranger. Because I see you like walking on the edge, and I live to have my imagination fed. So let's leave this place and go somewhere time is erased. Whatever your flavor, whatever your taste, with the snap of my finger, it will arrive with haste. Now I know you've heard similar things before, but I promise you after tonight, you'll want for nothing more. So come with me and we'll explore every fantasy you ever wished for. I got what you want, got what you need, set yourself free, come along and roll with me. If you want a good time, come take this ride. Set yourself free, come along and roll with me. I got what you want, got what you need. 